we welcome you to promise number two in our series, The Promises of God. We've been learning there are some 8,000 promises in the Bible, right? There are 365 promises that God has made to you. It's impossible for us to study all of those 365 promises, but it is possible for us to study what we are calling God's great and precious seven. Seven of those 365 is what we're studying. Promise number one, we looked at a couple weeks ago. God promises his presence this morning. Promise number two, God promises his purpose. God has made a precious promise to you. And that's all about his purpose for your life. Let me ask you a question. I wonder if you have ever had the experience, the unfortunate experience, okay, of ever being fired from a job. Well, I had that experience when I was 20 years old. I was working at that point for a successful landscaper. I was his foreman. And the problem, so to speak, began on July 27th, 1981, when I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And a few days later, I sat my boss down. So I go from a non-Christian to a Christian, and I sat my boss down, and I took him through a little booklet called Steps to Peace with God, trying to lead my boss to Christ. Well, a few days later after that, my boss sat me down and took me through a little process called steps out the door to try to remove me as far from him as possible. And honestly, I, I was shocked. I mean, I was devastated. I'm a hard worker. I'd never been fired before. And I'm bewildered. I'm like, God, what are you doing? I mean, here I am trying to serve you, trying to share the gospel with my boss, and I get fired? What are you up to? Little did I know then that the promise of God's purpose was at work in that very moment. See, what God was doing, he is closing that one door of a job only to open up another door for a whole new plan for my life, which was the ministry. What a difference it would have made in my life back then, in 1981, if I would have had the maturity and the absolute confidence and claimed the promise of God's purpose in the midst of even getting fired, that, God, you're in control, and I can claim the promise of your purpose. Now, I wouldn't learn, be honest with you, I wouldn't learn to claim the promise of God's purpose until much later in my life. I had a lot of growing up to do. And maybe if you're honest with yourself this morning, you might say the same thing. I mean, what about you? Are you bewildered with God? A little perplexed with God? You question God? Why did you allow this to happen, God? Hmm. What might you be missing out on right now? Because if you're honest, maybe you've not yet learned to claim the promise of God's purpose for your life despite your circumstances. Wow. See, God wants us to learn to claim this promise also. It's precious, and it's the promise of God's purpose. So, 
What we're going to do this morning is we're going to ask and answer some questions about the promise of God's purpose, and in the process, we're going to learn a lot about this promise, and primarily, we're going to learn how to claim this precious promise. So let's begin with the first question on your outlines. Where is the promise of God's purpose found? Well, many places in the Bible, as we're going to see, but there's one place in particular, and it's in the book of Jeremiah, and this is a scripture I want you to memorize. With all of the promises, I'm giving you one scripture I want you to memorize. And it's found in Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, God is speaking. He says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I've heard some Christians say that this promise was given only to the exiles in Babylon and not to me. And it's true that this promise was originally given to the exiles around 580 B.C., but it's also a promise you can claim as a Christian. Now, let me give you an important principle for interpreting the Bible, and it's this. The best commentary on the Bible to understand something in the Bible is the Bible. In other words, if you want to know what the Bible is saying, just compare it with other scriptures on that same theme to understand what the Scripture is saying. And this promise to Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11, is taught, it's upheld, it's reiterated all over the Bible, as we're going to see. In other words, Jeremiah 29, 11 is a great summary statement. And that's why I'm asking you to memorize this. It's a great summary statement of all the Bible teaches about the promise of God's purpose for your life. Does that make sense? If it does, say amen. Okay? So without question, this is a promise in Scripture that you can claim. What is it? God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God is saying that to you. It's his promise to you. Now watch this. You say, Pastor Mark, I see the word plan there, but I don't see the word promise. Well, this is what you need to understand. The word plan that you see there in Jeremiah 29, 11, is the word hasab. And it's the same Hebrew word for purpose. The word purpose the word plan, same Hebrew word. As a matter of fact, hasab is used 107 times in the Old Testament, and it's always translated plan or purpose interchangeably. So you could read Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the purposes I have for you, declares the Lord. Purposes to prosper you and not to harm you. Purposes to give you a hope and a future. Now, what does the promise of God's purpose mean? And very simply, this is not really profound to hear, but it is to claim, is this, God has a purpose for your life. Repeat that after me. God has a purpose for your life. Wow. Now, allow me to make three simple observations about God's purpose for your life right here from Jeremiah 29, 11. Three thoughts. I just want you to understand what the purpose is before we learn to claim it. And the first is this, is that God's purpose for your life is personal. You see there in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. The, the pronoun I, God is speaking here two times, and God is speaking this to you. God has a very personal 
plan for your life. It's personal. The creator of the universe has a purpose for your life. Second, God's purpose is plural. Chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans or purposes. It's not singular, it's plural. In other words, God's purpose for your life includes many plans or many purposes. In other words, God has a purpose, watch this, for your marriage. God has a purpose for your family. God has a purpose for your finances. God has a purpose for your spiritual life. God has a purpose for, it goes on and on and on. It's many purposes, many plans. As a matter of fact, Psalm 40 verse 5 says, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned, hasab, purposed for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak of them, they would be too many to declare. God has tons of purposes for your life. Waiting, watch this, to be claimed. Don't go through life without claiming this. It's a promise for you to claim. And lastly, well, you say, well, what kind of purposes, plans does God have for me? They are good. God's purposes are good. I know the purposes I have for you, declares the Lord. Purposes to prosper you and not to harm you. Purposes to give you a hope and a future. Now watch this. It's one thing to believe the truth that God has a good purpose for your life. It's completely different to claim the promise that God has a good purpose for your life. I don't think there's anyone here that would say, yeah, I don't believe that God has a good purpose for my life. I think you would believe that. I'm not asking you in this series, do you believe that? I'm asking you, are you claiming it as a promise? Because when you claim a promise from God, there are benefits that come to your life when you do so. If you choose to go through life, and you can, and you're welcome to. You can go through life and not claim the promise of God's purpose. Guess what? You're going to live without the benefits. Your call, if that's how you want to live, but I don't think that's how you want to live because you're here this morning. You're saying, I want to learn to claim the promises of God. Wow. So how do you become a Christian that learns to claim the promise that God has a good purpose for my life? Five ways in the Bible. Number one. The first two are going to be a little different. You're going to go, I didn't expect that. First way to claim the promise that God has a good purpose for your life, claim your inability to fully understand God's purposes. This is the first hurdle we need to overcome. You see, the reason some of us have not claimed the promise of God's good purpose for my life is that there are some things that have happened to our life, our marriage, our family, our health, our finances, that we don't understand. Now, let me ask you a question. Has God ever promised to us that we will always understand his purposes? No. He's never promised that we will always understand them. He's actually told us the opposite. He's told us in advance, guess what? You're not always going to understand my purposes. And there's a few scriptures on this. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. This is what God does in his time. He makes everything beautiful. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. We cannot fully comprehend all of God's purposes and plans. Some of us this morning may be bitter at God because of what has happened in our life. And that, that is holding you back from claiming the promise of God's good purpose for your life. 
I mean, think about it. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And yet God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He's gonna, he knows exactly what's going to happen a thousand years from today. And I think we need to adopt the mindset of the great, unbelievably powerful intellect of the Apostle Paul who said this in Romans eleven thirty three: Oh, the depth of the riches, the wisdom, and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths, his purposes are beyond tracing out. We've got to come to the point, beloved, if you want to claim the promise of God's purpose for your life, claim your inability to understand fully God's purpose. What does that mean? That means this, I need to humble myself. For some of us, our pride is keeping us. Pride mixed with bitterness because we're angry at God. How do I know that? Because I talk to a lot of even Christians. The Bible says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time and allow the benefit of claiming his promise to come to your life. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. He wants to shower you with his, the promise of his purpose. But in order to do that, some of us, some of us are carrying resentment and anger, and we look back and we don't understand. Guess what? God has promised to us we're not always going to understand his ways. There's a second way. We claim the promise of God's purpose. And it's kind of related to the first. It takes it to one step further. And it's this, claim that God's purposes often play out the exact opposite of what we would ever imagine. Isn't that interesting? You see, this is the second hurdle we need to overcome. The first hurdle is where we admit we can't fully comprehend God's purposes. And the second hurdle, though, is where we claim that God's purposes sometimes unfold the exact opposite of what we had ever imagined. Now, here's also another thought. Has God ever promised to us that his purposes will always coincide with our purposes? No. Actually, he's told us, again, the opposite. God has told us in advance, brace yourself, my purposes, my plans, my ways will sometimes be the exact opposite of what you'd ever imagine. Wow. Where's that? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, here's my way. My way? Share Christ with my boss and get a raise. God's way, Mark, share Christ with your boss and get fired. Because guess what? I have a bigger purpose. And some of you, you're stuck on the thing that happened 20 years ago. You did this, and it didn't turn out the way you thought, and you're so angry at God and so bitter with God. And God's saying, don't you see? There's something for you to claim here. I'm still in control. But you've got to turn to me. Humble yourself. Let's do a fun exercise. Maybe you've never thought about God this way before. I want you to pretend right now that you are God. Some of you wives are going, well, that's not difficult for my husband. I mean, he's um, just joking. Imagine yourself being God. Let's see how you would do as God. Let me give you a few scenarios. Lazarus is sick, okay? My way, if I were God... Well, send Jesus to heal Lazarus because Jesus is just 45 minutes away. God's way? 
no, Jesus, you stay uh, 45 minutes away from Lazarus for four days. I want him to die, be buried, and then you will make him better later after four days. Hmm. Here's another scenario. Jesus needs to visit earth because humanity has gotten into a big problem. There's sin issue. So my way, okay, Jesus beams down to earth, wows humanity with his teaching and miracles, and then all of humanity crowns him the king of the universe. God's way? Mm. Let's have Jesus born of a virgin. Let's allow Jesus to certainly wow humanity with his teaching and his miracles, but then let's allow Jesus to be crucified by humanity, the most brutal form of death imaginable. And then let's allow him to be put in a grave for three days. And then he will rise from the grave, which will bring about a spiritual kingdom. But the physical kingdom of God actually will not take place until thousands of years later after a battle called Armageddon. Let's do it that way. What I'm trying to say is we are so far from the mind, the ways of God. God's ways are so completely different than our ways. I mean, let's continue. This is kind of fun. Pick any story in the Bible. Pick any story in the Bible. How about a nine-foot, nine-inch giant named Goliath who is publicly defying the name of God? So really, you take a little shepherd boy, right? And you take that little shepherd boy and send him against Goliath, and you allow that little shepherd boy with a sling to take the big boy down. That's what you do, right? That's how you choose it. Hmm. Let's take a, let's take a prophet. How about a, a really rebellious, racist prophet named Jonah? So really, you'd put him out on a ship and then have him thrown overboard and a whale would swallow him and then spit him up on shore. That's what you do, right? That's how you choose. What are we saying? I'm saying this. The story of the Bible is replete with God doing again and again the exact opposite of what we had ever think or imagined. What's the point? The point is this. Why would we think God's story with us would be any different? If the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is God just wowing us, why would we think God's doings and purposes with our lives will always make sense to us? Why? Because of pride? Because we think it all revolves around me? Do we think we're God? God is God. I'm not saying he's not good. He is good. But his ways you will not fully understand. And sometimes he will work out his purposes through your life and in your life in ways that were the exact opposite of what you'd ever imagined. Here's our plan. My plan, I will be rich, God says. My plan... I will be married, God says. My plan, I won't be married, God says. My plan, I will have kids, God says. My plan, I won't have kids, God says. And Wayne has eight. <laughs> How do we claim the promise of God's purpose? We need to claim, watch this, not just in our head, but watch this, in our hearts, that God's purposes will often play out the exact opposite of the way that we would plan things. But watch this. you got to get this part with it. Even though God's purposes at times defy our imagination, 
that doesn't mean God's purposes aren't good because they are always good. What do you mean by that, Mark? We're going to get to that in a second, but let me give you an example right now. The eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980. Remember that? That was a disaster for many, but not for those who lived in Idaho. The great clouds of ash from that eruption drifted into Idaho and increased crop production by an average of 30% throughout the 1980s. What I'm saying is there's always a silver lining in the big picture of things. That is how God works with you. We're going to get to that in a second, but right now I want you to discuss this. Can you share about a time in your life that something happened the opposite of what you had ever imagined or planned yourself, but now you see the purpose of God in it all? Take a moment to talk about that. Okay, third way to claim the promise of God's purpose is this. Claim that regardless of your circumstances, okay, this is a big one, claim that regardless of the circumstances, God's purposes are at work for our good and for God's glory. See, the temptation, this is what the devil wants you to do. The devil does not want you to come to the point where you'll begin to claim the promise of God's purpose. So he wants you to think this way, you're such a loser, God's given up on you. His purposes are not working your at all in your circumstances. God is asleep. He's turned his back on you. You're unworthy of his purposes. You listen to that voice. You're never going to come to the point to claim this promise. We've got to claim the truth, the promise that regardless of our circumstances, God is at work for our good and for his glory. That is the promise of the Bible. You mean, so Pastor Mark, I mean, you're saying that God's purposes are at work in my traffic ticket? Yeah, they are. What about, you know, in my illness? I have cancer. Yeah, they're, they're, God's good purposes are at work there. What about my marital crisis? Yep. What about my current business challenge? Yep. If you view those things, watch this, as, as curses, you are never going to come to the point where you claim the beautiful promise of God. And some Christians get caught up here. And if you're caught up here, you have to confess that, watch this, as sin. You're missing the glory of what God wants you to see. Regardless of your circumstances, God's purposes are always at work in your life for good and for his glory. The question is not, are God's purposes at work? The question is, are you going to see and claim the fact that God's purposes are at work in your life? What does the Bible say? Romans 8, 28. And we know... Some of us doubt. Some of us are, are, well, I doubt. No, the Bible says we know that in all things, all things means all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Would you underline in your outline, in all things God works for the good. Now watch this. The promise of God's purpose is not that all things are good. God's promise is, is this, in time, God works out all things for our good and for his glory. Let me go back to my story. Getting fired in that moment was not good. It wasn't a happy thing. But guess what? 
God worked it out in his time for my good and for his glory. That's what God does in our lives if we belong to him. And this is stated all through Scripture. Look at Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you, this is a Christian, to will and to act according to his good purpose. God is always at work in your life according to his good purpose, even through the bad things. Now, Joseph's life is a great illustration of this. God had an amazing purpose, a good purpose for Joseph. But God said, Joseph, guess what? It's going to happen in your life, on my time, in my terms, in my way, but it's going to happen. So Joseph had a dream, didn't he? He had a dream that he would actually rule over his father, his mother, and all of his brothers. And what Joseph did is he told that dream to his brothers. And his brothers didn't like that at all. So much so that they sold Joseph as a slave to a, travel, a group of traveling Ishmaelites. And they took Joseph down toward Egypt. And then a man named Potiphar bought Joseph as his slave. Joseph's wife really liked Joseph. She tried to sleep with Joseph. Joseph refused. She accused him of rape, attempt rape. He was thrown in prison. And then in prison, Joseph ultimately interpreted a dream of a cupbearer. The cupbearer was released from prison but forgot about Joseph. It wasn't until age 30 that Joseph finally interpreted Pharaoh's dream and was elevated to second in Egypt. But this is the thing that amazes me at the story of Joseph. And you have to read the story to fully grasp how powerful it is because it's from chapters Genesis 37 to 50. This is what you see in the story. You know what's missing? Joseph, watch this, never, never, never complains. Never complains. This is what we, things happen to us, things happen to me, I complain. You want to know why? Because I have not yet learned to claim the promise of God's purpose. The only reason Joseph could be sold as a slave, thrown in jail, accused falsely, rotting in jail, and never complain is because without question, he is one of the greatest men of faith that believed in the promise of God's good purpose for his life and that God was being glorified. That is the only reason why Joseph did not complain. You say, how do we know that, Mark? We know that because Joseph tells us in Genesis 50, 20. Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Joseph was saying this. Yeah, you guys meant this for evil, but guess what? I believe in a God who has a promise. The God who's made a promise to me that his purposes for our life are good and that all things work out for his glory. Do you believe that? Have you claimed it? If not, you're living down here and so am I. And God wants us to live up here and not be held in bondage down there. Wow. I'm not talking about how to believe a truth. We're talking about how to claim a promise and live a completely different life. Claim that regardless of the circumstances, God's purposes are at work. For your good in God's time and for God's glory, God is that big 
to orchestrate all things. This is his sovereignty, his providential care for his people. Fourth way to claim the promise of God's purpose. Claim that God's word is the pathway to discovering God's purpose is. Now, this is what's cool. You see, this book right here, God's purposes for your life are not hidden. They are completely revealed. You think God would ever make a promise to you like, I have a purpose for your life. It's a good purpose for your marriage or for your family or for your future, your finances, and not tell us what his purpose is. God would never do that. God's purposes are in plain daylight for you and me to claim. It's called the Word of God. You say, where is this stated? Many places, but one of the most profound and the most picturesque when you get this in your mind is right here. And it's a, it's a psalm you've heard before, but I want to teach it to you in a way that you will never forget. And it's this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp, you see that? To my feet and a light for my path or purposes. God is saying this. Your word, right here, the word of God, is a lamp to my feet. Here is a first century lamp. This is what the psalmist is referring to when he's speaking of how God's word is like a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So what you would do in the Old Testament, first century, biblical times, you'd put olive oil inside the center. You'd put a wick out this little end here. You can see a picture of this as well. And this lamp here would give you just enough light to take the next step. Now, I've given you a picture of some steps here. This is in our backyard. Stepping stones. I want you to picture as scriptures. One stepping stone, two stepping stones, three, leading to God's purpose for your life. These are stepping stones you and I need to claim in the Word of God. For example, God has a purpose for your marriage. Stepping stone number one that you need to claim would be husbands, love your wives, Ephesians 5.25. The next stepping stone, if you want God's purpose for your marriage, husbands, don't be harsh with your wives, Colossians 3.19. The third stepping stone leading you to God's purpose for your marriage, husbands, honor your wives, Hebrews 13.4. God has a purpose for every area in your life, and he gives you just enough light to take the next step in his word. He has a purpose for your finances. He has a purpose for your grandkids. He has a purpose for your relationships. He has a purpose for your family, whatever. And we've got to come to the point where we claim this. How do we claim the promise of God's purpose? Claim that God's word is the pathway to discovering God's purposes. Look what Hebrew, or 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, all Scripture, all Scripture right here, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness. That's God's ways, God's plans, God's purpose, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work or every good purpose. Wow, let me give you a fifth way to claim the promise of God's purpose, and it's this. Claim that God is not finished working out his good purposes in your life. This is so important. 
for claiming the promise of God's good purpose for your life is this. God, right now, is doing that very thing. So repeat after me. God is not finished with me yet. God is not finished with you yet. He's not finished with your life. He's not finished with your family. He's not finished with your health. He's not finished with your marriage. He's not finished with your relatives. He's not finished with your occupation, your future. He's not finished with that dream that he's put in your hearts. See, the final chapter in your life has not yet been written. Please do not live your life like it has been. As far as I can tell, I look out at you, I, I think everyone here is alive. <laughs> right now, take it. Do you feel your pulse? Are you, okay. If you can feel a pulse, God's at work. He's not finished with his purposes in your life yet. What does the Bible say? Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't think Jesus has returned yet. Therefore, we can know that God is carrying on his good work. Look at Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. What is God doing in your life right now? He's working out his good purpose in you. That's what he's doing. You've got to claim that. This is God's promise to you. Are you claiming it or are you allowing your circumstances to get in the way of you claiming what is true about your life? Yes, sometimes it's hard to understand God's purposes. Sometimes we look at our life and it's like the back of this tapestry. It just looks all, you know, wow, what is God doing? We can't see. But then God sees something he's doing on the other side. God sees the bigger picture of what's going on in your life. He sees the whole picture. And in his time, he's doing something. You've got to trust him, but you've got to claim this promise. And one day, watch this, either in this life or in the life to come, it's all going to make sense. And we're going to stand back. We're going to go, God, you are awesome. Now I see why you allowed that to happen. Now I see that truly it was for my good and for your glory. One day, we're going to see that. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the band Casting Crowns, one of my favorite bands. Their words are amazing. And there's a song called, You're Already There. And like a couple weeks ago, I'm going to sing that to you now, right now. I'm going to read it. Because <laughs> some of you will be praying that the Lord will return if I were to sing it. So... Listen to the, these words, though. They just capture something so beautiful from where I'm standing. I want you to pretend like these are words from your heart. From where I'm standing, Lord, it's so hard for me to see where this is going and where you're leading me. I wish I knew how all the fears and all my questions are going to play out in a world I can't control. When I'm lost in the mystery 
to you, my future is a memory because you're already there. You're already there, standing at the end of my life, waiting on the other side. You're already there. You're already there. From where you're standing, Lord, you see a grand design that you imagined when you breathed me into life. And all the chaos comes together in your hands like a masterpiece of your perfect, picture-perfect plan. One day I'll stand before you and look back on the life I've lived. I can't wait to enjoy the view and see how all the pieces fit. While I'm lost in the mystery, to you my future is a memory because you're already there. You're already there, standing at the end of my life, waiting on the other side, and you're already there. You're already there. How do we claim? The promise of God's good purpose? Claim that God has not finished working out his good purpose in your life. This is probably the headiest of all the seven promises we're going to look at. I was like, Lord, these are some, every one of these truths to claim is very, very powerful and weighty. But this is what the Bible teaches on how to come to the point as a Christian where you claim the promise that God has a good purpose for your life. Claim your inability to fully understand God's purposes. Claim that sometimes his purposes will work out in your life the exact opposite of what you'd ever imagined. He's still in control. Claim that regardless of the circumstances, God's purposes are at work, working for your good and his glory. Claim that God's word is the pathway the pathway to get you to that purpose and claim that God has not finished working out his good purposes in your life. Let's talk about this. Here's a discussion question. Of the five ways to claim God's purpose, which one do you most need to embrace? Take a moment, talk about that. Okay, look at your outlines if you would. Look at the final question on your outlines. What is the primary benefit given to the person who claims the promise of God's purpose. You see, when we come to the point as a Christian where we begin to claim God's purposes, promises, there's always a benefit that comes. With every promise, there is at least one benefit. And if you become a Christian that regardless of your circumstances, you begin to claim that God, your promise for me is you have a good purpose for my life, my marriage, whatever. You're going to experience something that a lot of people in this world live without. And what you will gain is something incredibly precious. And that gain is called, I'll give you the word, it's a four-letter word, hope. Hope. Now, I, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Jeremiah 29. And I, I want to try to do something here with you, okay? You're going to have to work with me on this because I want to explain this promise in context right now and let you feel something. In order for you to feel this, you've got to put on your imagination. And I want you to imagine right now you're 2,500 years old. Now, some of you look that way. I'm just joking. <laughs> imagine yourself living 2,500 years ago you're an Israeli, you're living in Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Now watch this. Picture yourself. 
2,500 years ago, you're alive. You're an Israeli. You're living in Jerusalem. In 586 B.C., this is what happened. A vicious nation called Babylon invades your city and takes you, your family, everyone you know, all the leaders of that city, marches you all the way to Babylon hundreds of miles away. You are taken captive. Some of you have had things taken from your life. Husband, a wife, a job, finances, a dream, innocence. There are a lot of things that we can have taken away from us. But you see, this promise that we had you memorize came to a group of people that had literally their homeland taken from them. Now listen to what God says. This is what God says. God says to those people and to you, if you've had something taken from you this morning, I am the God who makes promises to you in your pain, in your difficulty. God sees everything that's going on in your life. And God is saying this to you this morning. I have something incredibly precious to you. I'm making to you a promise. You say, what, what's the promise, Mark? Listen to God. This is what the Lord says when 70 years are complete for Babylon. That's how many years they would be taken to Babylon in exile. I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. I'm going to bring you back and restore to you the place where you were taken, where that was taken. I know the plans. I know how the purposes I have for you, declares the Lord. Purposes to prosper you, not to harm you. Purposes to give you a hope and a future. God says, my promise to you is this. I have a purpose for your life. I have a plan for you. No matter how difficult it looks, this is who I am. And when you claim that, you know what you receive? Hope. God has brought some of you here because you're living without hope. Some of you may be here this morning or maybe watching on video are going, I came to this study tonight because I am without hope. And what you gain when you claim the promise of God's purpose, his hope comes to well within your life, beloved. It is precious. One person has said this, you can live 30 days without food, 30 hours without water, three minutes without oxygen, but not three seconds without hope. You know what's common with every person that commits suicide? They have lost hope because they've never learned to claim the promise of God's purpose. God is in control. Despite their circumstances, despite them not understanding, claiming the promise of God's purpose. Imagine being completely lost in the wilderness. Completely lost. Imagine yourself. You're walking, you're getting starving, you're dehydrated, and finally you just sink down in absolute despair. You've lost all hope because you have no way to get out. You know you're going to die. And all of a sudden, you hear, you hear like crackling through the, and all of a sudden, someone is there in front of you. It's a person. And you say, do you know how to get out of here? And they say, of course. Of course I know how to get out of here. 
all of a sudden, hope. That's God. God says to you, of course I know how to get you out of here and get you back. Are you going to claim that? Or are you going to go throughout your life without hope? Because you feel like it's being drained out of your life. God wants to shower you with this hope, but you have got to claim the promise of his purpose for your life. There's an amazing exchange that takes place when you do so. God says, for I know the purposes I have for you, declares the Lord. Purposes to prosper you, not to harm you. Purposes to give you a hope and a future. Your hope, your future is so connected to you claiming the promise of God's purpose for your life. Let's pray.